Hello and welcome to the final pod, DCM podcast of 2015. It's December already, uh, can you believe it? Um, I have uh, a very special guest with me again today. Uh, it's Karen Stacey, the CEO of DCM. Hello, Karen. Hi, Tom. And I should probably announce it this time. Uh, this isn't the only reason we've got her back on the podcast, but um, the first time we had Karen on the podcast, which was, I think, in April, is the most listened to podcast we've done with over 540 listeners. Wow. Or listens. I mean, what, I, really? Is it listens or listeners? Do people think they were going to get a bonus for that? I don't well, yeah. Put into people's personal objectives. Well, I listened to it approximately 30 of those times. No. <laughs> My dad listened to it, and he, he, he said it was one of the best ones we've done. Um, so you're back, and it's been a year tom- tomorrow that you first were tomorrow. introduced to the DCM team. Yeah, December the 18th. How's it been for you? It's been amazing. It's been the most incredible year. Um, been really exciting. Um, we seem to have gone from strength to strength. The films have gone from success to success. Everything the sales team have done has done the same. It's been unbelievable. And has it exceeded your expectations, do you think? Definitely. I think, I think when you have quite a lot of change, um, which we did in the beginning of January, so um, the old CEO left and so did the commercial director and the head of operations, so really quite a new management team. And sometimes people struggle with change, but I have to say the team were amazing. We seem to hit the ground running and have been running ever since. Bit like Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, yes, and we're running straight into 2016. What have been the highlights of the year for you so far? Um, I, I mean, I, I think... should sorry. I should just also point out that Karen is attending the Star Wars premiere <laughs> after we're done with this podcast. So, so I think one of the be. highlights is going to be coming later today, and it's a DCM Christmas party. But yes, yeah, so uh, up to today, what have been the highlights? I think probably from certainly from from a film point of view, and if I guess. You know, I've always been a film and a cinema goer and a film lover, but now being involved in so much more, you understand more about the industry. And I think for me, the excitement around Inside Out and the way that sort of went into a crescendo, and still now I was listening to Radio 2 the other day and someone was talking about that was definitely their best film. I think the one that surprised me that I absolutely loved and went with very low expectations was Jurassic World. And I think, actually, it surprised everybody. It did surprise everyone, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's that ninth biggest film in UK history. I mean, amazing. And, uh, I mean, we all knew, we all loved the first one, but since then, a couple of Jurassic Park films have been out and haven't done quite as well, but this one genuinely seemed to capture people's imagination, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think the special effects, you just completely, you know, you just believed that that whole thing was completely real. I mean, it was incredible. I forgot how just how much pleasure there was seeing dinosaurs rampaging around around an island in 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 the tropics i just when chris pratt is being stalked by the huge dinosaur i was like i just turned to my girlfriend and i was like i'm enjoying this so much it's yeah. like it was like being a, a teenager again yeah no it was it was it, it was very good and then the other one i think in the bfi season um and the london film festival was goosebumps so you saw Goosebumps? I saw Goosebumps. Because I liked Goosebumps as well. I thought it was incredible. And I can't, is it, when does it come out? That comes out February the 5th. Feb 5th, yeah. I took my daughter, who's 11, two of her friends. So that's the perfect age for her, I think. Perfect age. Absolute perfect age. And scary enough to make you jump, but not that I'm... Not nightmares. ...delivering two children back in tears. And we should probably point out, because uh, people might not be aware of what Goosebumps is, Goosebumps is based on a series of books by an American author called R.L. Stein 
who and it is I think outside of the Harry Potter series the most the best selling series of books in the world that, that any, I'm going to go with that anyway but I know it's Sounds something good. like that um, he's written a, a whole series of books but the film did something quite clever with it in that um, the author R.L. Stein is a character in the film and all the books are actually locked on his bookshelf containing the monsters which he writes about and these naughty kids go and open the books and the monsters terrorise yeah. the town. And played by the amazing Jack Black. He was very who good Who is well, one yeah. of those people, if I met him, I think I'd have to go over and go, please, can you be my friend? Because he just looked like what a great mate he'd be to I, hang out with down when, the pub. When I saw it, he introduced it and he came out and he was he's like a different... Species. He just reveled in all the attention, and he did this amazing song off the top of his head, and everyone was—he had Brilliant. everyone in the palm of his hand. And then the film was good as well, thankfully. Um, but from a DCM perspective, what do you think have been your highlight highlights? Not just from a film perspective. So I think from DCM, there feels like there's so many. Um, I think probably from a business point of view, one of the highlights um, has to be the way we've changed the the way we've sold the gold spot so as you know tom the gold spot is the final ad final commercial message before the film starts and for 13 years it was owned by ee orange first for orange wednesdays and then ee um compare the market came in and did the two for one offer but didn't buy that gold spot um we decided to sell it line by line um which was quite a brave thing to do but it did feel that it seemed mad to sell our best spot to only one customer. And it's we've over doubled the revenue. It's a great thing to go and tell advertisers that they can be part of. I love the fact that from Google spending 1.6 million in bond, um, Chanel can buy Suffragette for 55,000. So it just opens it up to so many advertisers. And I think that although now, you know, always seems... In hindsight, well, that was the obvious thing to do. I think we were quite concerned at the beginning, would we get that revenue in? And it's been the most amazing success. Yeah, I think it has. That genuinely has exceeded everyone in the office's expectations. And we're, we're doing that again in 2016. We're doing it again in 2016. And we're having huge interest already. I mean, we've already Absolutely. sold the gold spot in films that are almost a year away. Yeah. And we won't dwell on this bit too much, but have there been any disappointments for you over the last year? I mean, it's it's been a whirlwind year, hasn't it? Can you believe how quickly it's gone? It's been a whirlwind. Do you know, I can honestly say I don't think there has. I don't think... Has being CEO of DCM lived up to your expectations? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's it's a... I think when I, when I joined, I remember at the beginning, um, when I first came in and stood up in front of everybody... Everyone looking slightly green because it was the day after the Christmas party and pretending they were really interested in hearing me say a few words, but they were very kind and very polite. And I said there was three things that really interested me um, when I was thinking about what role I was going to do next. One, I had to go uh, to a company where there was a great culture and DCM has definitely got a great culture, very supporting, caring, but courageous culture too. Um, Secondly... I had to be passionate about the medium that I'm selling. I've always been in media sales and I've always sold um, really great brands. And I think, you know, you can't get much better than selling the cinema advertising medium. And then thirdly, I wanted somewhere where there was growth because in my last um, role, um, part of the company that I worked for, I had a magazine division and it's tough. The print world is in a tough place and that can get 
just very wearing. And so to come to DCM and where every month we're doing, and we've done that for the first time, and the figures are this, and the films are doing this, is just, it just gives everyone incredible confidence. And then I think that just, you know, builds on people really believing in what they do. And therefore, and you can see it, you can see the enthusiasm in the company. You know, so much so, as we know, people have left and then come back. Yeah, yeah. So we had to, <laughs> the grass is always greener, isn't it? Uh, and you get there, and it's actually not. Yes. So, um, yeah, no, it's been it's been fantastic. So, those three things were impo- really important to me. I mean, every day has lived up to every single one of those. And I mean, it has been a fantastic year for the cinema industry. Admissions are looking to cross the 170 million mark for only the sixth time in over 40 years. UK box office is probably going to finish around 1.3 billion, which is a record. Ad revenue is up 24%. Um, how does 2016 follow this? I think, I think hopefully what we've, what we've done, certainly from a commercial and an ad-based revenue, I think we've just repositioned cinema into its rightful place. Um, because the one thing I was told was every year there's a bond, revenues are up and ambitions are up, and then they go back down the following year. And I just don't think that's going to happen next year. I think we've got a lot of momentum we're positioning ourselves as right alongside audiovisual when people are looking at it on communications plans. So if you're using TV, if you're using video online, um, if you're using any online communication that's using um, using audiovisual, cinema should be on that plan too. And we're getting some cut through. So I think we will consolidate our position. Um, I, I definitely don't think we'll go backwards and I think we will probably get some growth. Um, I think that what we need to do though, it will be every month we need to make sure we monetize everything we've got because we haven't got a huge bond that we can hang our hat on um, that we had this year. So it's about taking advantage of every single month. And I think, you know, and the team are clear on that. Yeah. And um, uh, you mentioned uh, ensuring that cinema continues to go on AV plans and I know one of your goals is to get cinema on every AV plan Um, how do you uh, think we can do that so the work we've done with Millwood Brown over the last six months we should probably mention the new Millwood Brown um, uh, project research project yeah building box office brands so what we needed to understand is cinema's not big enough to be you know the only medium on a schedule Um, when there's so many choices out there. But what we do know is how it complements any other channels and how it amplifies messages. And I think what's come a bit full circle for me is where brands have started to realise that just promotion is just not enough and you need to persuade people that your brand is the right brand for them. And so coming back to just the master in the art of persuading people... And brand, um, Millwood Brown have five metrics and two of the metrics that are really important about establishing profitable brands is making sure that brands are loved and the consumer understands what the difference is about this brand. Because if you understand those two, then you're highly likely to recommend them. And cinema absolutely knocks the ball out of the ballpark on those two measurements. So we're not saying that, you know, suddenly you spend all your money on cinema but moving it up to around 5 to 7% makes a real difference on people's multimedia campaigns. And I think that work and us talking about that work is going to really help us going forward. And we do have a very nicely produced bo- uh, do- 
booklet called Building Box Office Browns, produced by Millwood Brown, so it's not just us saying this. Yep. Um, uh, which we which are available, which we can send out if anyone listening wants to contact the DCM rep. Um, we do have that available. So, um, what are your other hopes for 2016? My other hopes for 2016 to continue the work on the culture of the company. Um, I think we can do more work around just helping our people evolve themselves. Um, so how we move people onto the next levels, how we teach them about how they they understand themselves. So I think there's a lot of self-development that we can work on. And then I think we've still got quite a long way to go on our operation side. Um, we've got a plan in place. And again, if we want to be considered in the same way TV's considered or VOD, we've got to make sure that our operation side, even our measurement, uh, measure, measurement of audiences maybe can be aligned to that. So we're looking at making sure we can plan in a similar way, we're making sure that we can report people's campaigns in a similar way, and so the more aligned to TV that we can get, the, more, the easier it would be for people to say, of course you put cinema and TV on the schedule. You mentioned we haven't got a bond next year. Uh, I don't see that as a massive issue in terms of the film slate because I think we have got a really strong film slate consistently throughout the year. Um, what films are you most looking forward to next year? Definitely finding Dory. You're a big, big Pixar fan, aren't you? I'm a big Pixar fan. And in fact, um, when we did this podcast, when you first joined, I asked you what your favourite films of all time were and you said um, Midnight Express and one other film, and no, Calamity Jane Calamity and Jane, Finding yes. Nemo. So you must be super excited about Finding super Dory excited. next year. I'm looking forward to Finding Dory. I'm certainly lo- looking forward to Jason Bourne being back on the screens. Cannot wait for that. He's, yeah, he's up there with Bond for me I in mean, that in, series, as in, in what's going to happen next. And Yeah, until Skyfall came out, I was firmly in the Bourne camp. I mean, I, like, I do love Bond films, and I've grown up watching Bond films, but Bourne Supremacy and Bourne Ultimatum were two of my favourite action films of this decade, of this century. And you can watch them again and again and again. And Matt Damon's so good. And then, uh, obviously, the Bourne Legacy wasn't quite up to standard. Matt Damon wasn't in it, Paul Greengrass wasn't directing, but both Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass are back. I think we need to reiterate that. Paul Greengrass, Matt Damon are back. It's going to be as good as those the best That's two. Really, yeah, I think they're going to be really cool. And Bridget Jones. Bridget Jones, yeah. Bridget Jones. September 16th. And a baby. How about that? But that's a great one. And that's, I mean, I agree with you. I think this year's going to be interesting because, again, we've got this great mix of, you know, there's a lot of Marvel films coming out, but there's some, there's some action, there's some more female orientated films. So I think the mix is going to be great this it year. It is a good mix. And I think when you, you mentioned Bridget Jones, it's a good one to mention because, uh, I mean, it has been a while since Bridget Jones is The Edge of Reason, but Bridget Jones' Diary and Bridget Jones' The Edge of Reason, two huge. British comedies, you know, both grossed over 35 million in the UK, and that was, you know, a good 10, 15 years ago. So when, when you think about inflation, oh, there's. That a long yeah, there's that, that, I mean, wow. I think Bridget Jones's diary was 2001. Um, oh or maybe maybe even That's earlier. Incredible, since it's, I'm 27. Yeah, wow, <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> um, so um, there is huge scope for that, and it, it does play to a, an upmarket 35 plus female audience, and you know that. There's, and then shortly after that, we've got a, the girl on the train, the, new, the the hot new literary adaptation, which has sold over two million copies in hardback in the UK alone. Oh and wow! On, and it's out on paperback in March. So. And then the final one is Room. Oh gosh, Room, yeah, yeah. I mean, which I don't. Almost like I don't know if I want to go and see because it's. I think I'd be quite disturbed by it, but I think it will be. I mean, as you said before, the girls that have seen it here said it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, some of the people in the office went to the London Film Festival screening. And I haven't heard 
the office rave about a film ever I think that the, they came back genuinely talking about it being one of the best films they've ever seen and um, Brie Larson is now one of the favourites for um, acting Oscars next year so yeah it's looking it's shaping up nicely room so and that's in January I mean personally I'm, I'll just mention a couple of films I'm looking forward to one of the which is The Revenant which is out mid-January and we're doing as the next we DCM Tuesdays Tuesday. so that I'm uh, hugely excited for that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio could win his elusive Oscar I'm looking forward to the new Tarantino um, I'm looking forward to Ghostbusters the new um, version with the uh, female Ghostbusters um, and Bourne as you said I also think um, there's some really nice smaller films throughout the year as well and one of the films I'm hearing really great things about perhaps not on people's radar yet is Eddie the Eagle oh I I have too the, but, and people said there's this real mix that this is all younger generation who actually know him from Splash the oh, terrible oh, diving programme oh that was on BBC was on yeah. which he won did he win it yeah and apparently was so there's a so I, I know that from my 11-year-old daughter. That's yeah. how she knows Eddie the Eagle. So, so yeah, I'm hearing good things. It's out April 1st. And that, I think there's a real nice mix throughout next year. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be, I think, equally as big. If I mean, it's, it's we haven't got a bond, but I think there's some really nice stuff throughout the year that's going to cover for it. And um, I'm going to ask this because I've never done this on the podcast. Is there anything you'd like to ask me, Karen? I've never done this before. This is the first time I've done this. Is there anything you'd like to ask me? I would like to ask if you could go to one premiere next year, what would it be? I, I instantly thought David Brent Life on the Road because I have a feeling Ricky Gervais would probably turn up as David Brent and that would be worth the, the price of admission. I mean, if it's worth the admission alone. I mean, uh, premieres, it's all about the event and what goes on around it and I think that one will be a very funny special event and if he's there as David Brent it, especially if he sings as well that would be amazing what and about, dances yeah what about you my all time would be it would probably be have to be Finding Dory because you know just Pixar and Disney do premieres really well yeah blue, there's going to be a blue carpet there'll be yeah yeah um, they've all, they're always good fun um, so fingers crossed Fingers crossed we both get both get our invites. Yes, and, well, enjoy the Star Wars premiere this evening. Thank you. And um, thank you for I joining... I won't speak to you about it. No, we're not going to... I will not be talking to Karen until I see the film on Saturday. But uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and as well, Tom. we'll be back in 2016. Thank you very much. 